And welcome to another episode of the Sartorial and Geek Podcast by Webster Style, where we talk about bow ties, comic books, and everything in between. I'm your host, Webster Style, the man, the voice, the fragrance, coming at you again with another podcast, and spring has sprung. And let me tell you, I am certainly glad for it, not necessarily because of the weather, because at least here, in the metropolitan Washington, D.C. area, winter wasn't that bad, especially compared with some of the other catastrophes that the winter weather brought to other parts of the United States. However, I am happy because spring means baseball. And for me, growing up in a major East Coast baseball town, and at the time we only had a baseball team, so that was the only team I can root for so I love my baseball and more importantly I always say I'm not a baseball fan I'm a Baltimore Orioles fan yes indeed whether they have a great season or a horrible season I will rep the orange and black until I leave this mortal coil and with baseball comes baseball games now one of the oddities about baseball games is that there hasn't been major competition when it comes to the simulation baseball market or baseball market in quite some time with 2k leaving baseball alone some odd years ago and only really having uh, sony's mlb the show be consistent over the past few years now yes the um it brought back rbi baseball with a more of a simulated feel compared to uh, those old school gamers uh, like myself remember the rbi baseball from the nintendo era but it did not compare and still does not compare to the overall product that I believe it's Sony San Diego put out on the PlayStation. Now, one of the things that has happened recently with regards to that, and I don't know all the details. I just know that whatever happened when it came to renegotiating that contract, Sony basically had to make that game multi-platform. So that game went from being a PlayStation exclusive since the beginning of the PlayStation to now being a multi-platform release. And no one knew if it would be this season or next season when we would see MLB The Show show up on other platforms. Well, let let me tell you, it was this season because the world, at least the video game world, was shocked when MLB The Show 21 was announced for not just the PlayStation, and PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5, but also the Xbox One, Xbox X, excuse me, Series S and Series X. Uh, people were basically like, basically Sony just lost one of their major franchises. And not just that, on the Xbox Series X and S, there isn't that obligatory $10 upcharge for a next-gen game that you're finding on the PlayStation 5, but to make matters even worse, MLB The Show is dropping day and date release on Xbox Game Pass. So this is where I'm going with my download for this week. It is MLB The Show, uh, specifically on Xbox Live, Xbox Game Pass. This show should go up on 420, which is a whole nother animal in conversation unto itself, but the following day afterwards on 421, 
MLB The Show will be available for download, for purchase, and on Xbox Game Pass. So I have not dipped my toe into the simulation baseball world in quite some time, really since the original Xbox and whatever baseball game from 2K was on there at the time. And it is the last time I played a simulation baseball game, but just because it's on Game Pass, I am going to check out MLB The Show because I've never heard anything but good things about it. And if it's anything like or as half as good as I hope, it'll be something I'll enjoy playing until it's off the system. And who knows, I may end up buying it to keep it just to take my O's to the World Series. So that's my download for the week, MLB The Show 21. And that's going to be found on all of your major platforms outside of the Switch. So PS4, PS5, Xbox One, Xbox Series S and Series X. And more importantly, on the Xbox, it is going to be on Game Pass Day 1. So 421, if you're on Game Pass and you love some baseball, download it. Now, spring is something I'm looking forward to. Baseball is something I look forward to because of spring. But I've always been a fan of zombie movies. Now, I'm somewhat picky, but I fell in love with zombie movies, not even so much because of Romero, but I fell in love with zombie movies because I was scared of them. Let me give you a quick story. So the first zombie movie I remember seeing was The Return of the Living Dead from 1984. And I saw this on a VHS uh, because of my father in 1987. Till this day, that is the only horror movie that ever gave me nightmares. And I had nightmares for two straight weeks. So after that, once I got older, I literally watched every zombie movie Incredible zombie movie, in my opinion, that I could watch. I watched Night of the Living Dead, the original, the remake, uh, Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead. You know, all the ones that really mattered when it comes to zombie movies. And I I absolutely love them. Even saw Return of the Living Dead Part 2 and just thought it was a comical, hilarious mess of a movie, which I still love to this day. But there was something about Return, at least the original one, that I never could shake. I never watched it again. Come going to college and back then there was a video store in town and I'm in the video store and on the bottom shelf I saw a VHS copy of Return of the Living Dead and this 18 year old me got a shiver up his spine and I will never forget that feeling because nothing ever really scared me as a child or as an adult like that movie did. Subsequently, a few months later, I ended up watching Return of the Living Dead uh, as that 18-year-old and laughed all the way through. It is such a wonderful movie, and I'm glad it's one of those things I actually was able to see as a child and get the scare, but see it as an adult or a young adult and really get the mastery of how the movie was done, get all the nuances, all the comedy, uh, really analyze the special effects and just enjoy it for the zombie movie that it was and how it really changed the genre of zombie movies that we never, as a kid then, you never realize how much things changed because of Return of the Living Dead. I don't think it gets enough credit for what it is. Subsequently, I've seen a whole bunch of zombie movies, and I've become a fan of the Asylum films over the years, particularly uh, Zombie Apocalypse, which came on, oh, many, many moons ago. It's probably a 10-year-old movie by now. I'm not entirely sure. But as a result, I became a fan of Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead, and I believe that's probably the first zombie movie I ever saw in a theater, that remake of Dawn of the Dead, the classic John Romero, John um, George Romero flick. Who the heck is John Romero? Um, oh, that's a doom dude. That's right. So I uh, 
So I love zombie movies. And when I heard that Zack Snyder was going back to the world of zombies, I was excited. So the trailer for Army of the Dead finally dropped a week or so ago from the time it's recording. And I absolutely loved it. Uh, one of the things I loved about Romero is at least not all of the zombie movies, the last two, The Diary of the Dead and Survival Dead, I, I did not like at all. But I loved Land of the Dead. And one of the things I liked about Land of the Dead is where you get to see the evolution of the zombies where, and to some extent, they reclaim some of their humanity. Uh, not some necessarily higher brain functioning, but you get to see glimpses of who they were come back or at least still present in their zombie forms. And that is one of the things I really liked about the trailer for Army of the Dead. It seemed like an extension of a lot of the ideas, at least on the surface, of what Romero did in Land of the Dead, particularly with the collective the society that you saw, the higher brain function with their movements done. Yes, that makes a flashy action scene with a zombie that you've never seen before, but it's still showcasing that functionality, that brain functionality of those zombies. They're not totally gone, even though they are uh, quote unquote undead masses that will eat your brains in a heartbeat. And also, outside of the action, and, and Dave Batista looks like he'll be just as fun in these movies or this movie as he is in the Guardian series. But the zombie tiger reminds me of Zombie Apocalypse, the movie I mentioned earlier from Asylum. Uh, if I remember correctly, they had a zombie saber tooth tiger, if I remember correctly. And one of the things I love about that movie is because it felt like a video game. I felt like they went from one boss to the next and it was very much structured like a zombie video game with the uh, survivors trying to get out of the city which they were in. And if you didn't know, that movie is actually the movie that inspired the uh, sci-fi show Z Nation that was on I believe it lasted for about uh, five series five seasons so before the Fear the Walking Dead I always said this is the second best zombie TV show on television after The Walking Dead at the time and we all know what happened to The Walking Dead so I am definitely looking forward to Army of the Dead and that drops I believe the end of May so I definitely would be will be watching it now let's get full get to a little bit of bad news so i am a huge wrestling fan and i talked about this somewhat when i gave my recommendation for retro mania wrestling as a download a few weeks ago well april is not a kind month when it comes to wrestling releases when it comes to the wwe uh last year i don't even remember how many people they released on april the 15th uh, because of the pandemic quote unquote because of the pandemic but it was uh, a slew of wrestlers uh backstage hands personnel i mean i want to say and i'm guesstimating it, it got rid of 20 to 25 people maybe 30 it was a lot of folks and it kind of trickled out from all of their brands from smackdown raw nxt referees writers uh, producers it was it was a ridiculous amount of people to let go especially during the the height of the pandemic well this year they l release a smaller list of, of 10 wrestlers but it's still when I don't understand how a company or any company can justify firing people due to budget cuts when it's posting record-breaking profits and more importantly just signed a billion dollar streaming deal for their content with Peacock which shuttered the WWE Network. 
uh, the money they are saving is literally a drop in the bucket. So these are the wrestlers they released. They released uh, Peyton Royce and Billy Kay, aka the Iconics, Mickey James, uh, Tucker, Mojo Riley, Callisto, Bo Dallas, Wesley Blake, Chelsea Green, and Samoa Joe. Now I can get Mickey James, I can get Tucker, Mojo Riley, Callisto, Bo Dallas. Bo Dallas hasn't been seen on TV since 2019. Uh, Wesley Blake. I don't get that one either. Chelsea Green, she never really got a chance to shine. But the one that baffles me the most is Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe, with Samoa Joe, AJ Styles, Christopher Daniels, that whole crew back in the day at TNA slash Impact. That is why I watch wrestling. They reignited my passion for wrestling at that point in time. Because I fell in love with the WWE product. I really found TNA through a clip of... I think it was the amazing red and low key back in the day. And I started watching from there and just fell in love with the product they had before they brought in Hogan and Bischoff and just killed it, in my opinion. And they never really recovered from that. But how do you, re excuse me, how in the bleep do you release Samoa Joe? Even if you can't wrestle, the man is a savage on the mic. You put him on a commentator table, he's an awesome commentator. Make him the manager of a stable. Have him doing like MVP with a hurt business. Again, something else that WWE just destroyed that was great. Have him be a manager. Have him be on a Like, Joe is gold no matter what position you put him in. I don't understand how they got rid of Samoa Joe of all people from that list. I mean, Billy Kay and Peyton Royce are Iconics. I never liked them, but they were hilarious and they had great charisma and you can't teach that. You can teach wrestling, you can't teach that. Tucker, yeah, okay. Once they broke up, him and Otis, no hope for him. Uh, Mojo Raleigh, again, he has never been the same since the Hype Brothers again. Callisto, like what was up with that? Yeah, Lucha House Party, you just made him into a duo from a trio. Wesley Blake as well, never got a clean shot. Chelsea Green also just kept getting injured and she she was great if you've ever seen her Laura Van Mess uh, character in Impact you know exactly how good she can be and then you have Mickey James Mickey F James is a future Hall of Famer Nikki James excuse me Mickey James can go with the best of them even being 40 whatever years old so that was uh, definitely lost to women's division in my opinion if not if you don't know what she can do check out her and oscar from it was an nxt takeover and i forget which one it was uh, it was a really great match and it's one of those matches that you know really show that she could throw down with the best of them no matter what generation it is but joe you can build a company around joe right now from being 42 years old having had multiple concussions you can still build a company around Joe. so i don't get that it's a shame he never got a chance to run with the world title now let's get back to a little bit of positive news well some positive news in our, our review of the falcon and the winter soldier episode five what an opening we got the grudge match that we wanted sam and bucky on one side versus fake cat johnny walker on the other side one of the things i love about what they do with sam is that they make his suit very much an extension of himself i love the way they do that and it's a really small way to augment the fact that he doesn't have superpowers so here you have sam really going against or fighting with and against these two dudes who have one a bionic arm but both have been 
indoctrinated, injected with the a version of the super soldier serum, and he for the most part holds his own. I mean, clearly there's some instance where you can see he is not super powered, and you can see the result of that. But his suit and him being able to use his thrusters and wings are very much a good way to mitigate the fact that he does not have super strength. As much as I detest John Walker, I feel like they did him dirty. They got rid of him like he was trash. No rank, um, no retirement money, no nothing. They crossed out all his years of service to his country because they made him look bad. Don't get me wrong, he killed somebody, but he killed a flag smasher. And I'm not saying he was right, he wasn't justified in what, his, what he did, but this person was a terrorist, or part of a terrorist organization that had killed and hurt multiple people, regardless of their public-facing um, love from the, the downtrodden as far as the United States government is concerned they kill people they are a terrorist group and the fact that because of I just don't understand how he walked away with nothing how they cast him out they couldn't try to fix it so he could at least leave with something not be poor and destitute so that was my only issue with that I mean he you read what you saw and he did but I just felt like because of who was on the other end of that shield even with the optics it wasn't an innocent civilian. They re at least could have bust him down to a lower rank or something and gave him some kind of, you know, retirement package just because he has a wife and, and whatnot. But, you know, it is what it is. Uh, he was crap, but he deserved better. You know what? On second thought, he was a self-serving butt for lying to Hoskins family the way that he did about who killed Lamar. And that showed even in someone else's time of need, he was only thinking about himself and making himself look good. So the introduction of Madam Hydra is a great set of things to come, not just to the end of this series, but MCU in general. I believe she's supposed to be showing up in Black Widow. So my question is, who is a power broker? I still have my money on Sharon because I feel like she's playing both sides. In my opinion, one of the best aspects of the Captain America side of the MCU is that it's very focused on character dynamics. And you really see this in this episode and just with previous episodes where you have this focus on character development, it really shines in the process. For me, particularly the bonding of Sam and Bucky in Sam's hometown was a really great way to cement Sam and Bucky as more than just two guys who are extensions of Steve Rogers' legacy. Uh, the time really showed that they have more in common than just the fact that both of them were Steve's boy. Uh, this dynamic also was fun uh, with the dynamic between uh, Sarah and Bucky. It was fun in a great way to further illustrate Sam and Bucky's bond and that they are more than just friends. They are family. And lastly, it was really great having Sam being able to talk to Isaiah to really get an understanding of his perspective on the shield and the legacy of Captain America based on what he has been through. And I think that it really helped Sam to understand what he needed to do. Another character who is the breakout star of the series is obviously Baron Zemo. And I'm glad there was a resolution to Zemo's story for now. Um, it was very satisfying that the resolution happened at the hands of the Wakandans, even though they had taken him to the raft. They got some closure for his killing of King T'Chaka back in um, Captain America Civil War, but also he's not dead. So that leaves open the chances that Zemo will come back again, especially with the introduction of Madame Hydra. Who knows? We may see the seeds 
being sewn for an eventual Thunderbolts, if not movie, but at least they're being a part of the MCU. With this being the next to last episode, I'm really excited for the last episode coming up this week. But I have to say there's a lot on the table that still needs to be addressed. And I hope that they don't leave us hanging on a lot of the major sort of carrots that they have out there right now. So I hope this final episode is a bit longer than usual to address it as much as possible, to address as much as possible. Um, And there's no doubt about it that the final episode is going to be explosive. That's my spoiler laden review of Captain America, excuse me, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, episode number five. And with that, we're going to move right into our fragrance of the week. And this week, we go back to the house of Mask Milano. This week, we're looking at Dose Aqua. So, this fragrance comes from the nose of Delphine Theory. So, you have top notes of Coastal Breeze of Cord, Muguet, Ivy Leaves, and Mediterranean Majorum. Middle notes of Mimosa, Almond Flower, White Rose, and Ylang Ylang. And then base notes of Saffron Flower, Cedarwood, Siam, Oak Moss, and Silky Musks. It is described as a fresh floral bouquet uplifted by the coastal breeze and I have to say this is a very accurate description uh, in my opinion this fragrance is fire it is a very much a fragrance that many women would love to wear it's definitely a feminine scent um, in my opinion I can so see this being worn by many ladies it is very ubiquitous meaning uh, I can see young women and older women wearing this with ease and not feeling out of place wearing it I love the fact that the florals are fresh and strong, but not overpowering. Uh, That is, in my experience, one of the things I, when I see floral notes, I kind of wince because in my mind, most of the time, floral notes are very overpowering. And depending on the notes themselves, I don't want to smell like a flower or that's really not that big of an appeal for me when it comes to fragrances for the opposite sex. It's also very seductive, uh, especially when you get down to the middle notes and base notes, the mimosa and the almond flower. And my nose really ring true, especially with that ylang ylang. And then you have the softness, sexiness of the cedar wood and the oak moss and the saffron in the base. I, I really enjoy it and really, really like it. I need to go and spray it on my wife secretly so I can just sniff her. Uh, she might think I'm weird if I do that. But this is another one from the House of Masculino that is definitely um, one I like to smell with my spouse, just like Petra last week. And Petra, I really feel like it's more of a unisex. Um, I think it's more feminine, but I could I could wear it and definitely feel very comfortable wearing it. No sense. Uh, Dulce Aqua it's not one I could wear at all. It's nice. It's, it's very nice, but not for me. Not for me at all. And for most men, in my opinion, it's not a fragrance that they would want to wear. It's definitely something they want to smell on their lady. So that's our fragrance of the week. And that brings us to a close of another episode of the Sartorian Geek Podcast by Webster Style, where we talk about bow ties, comic books, and everything in between. I have been your host, Webster Style. Don't forget to find us on the web, WebsterStyle.com and SartorianGeek.com. Find us on Twitter at Webster Style. Find us on Instagram at Webster Style and at SartorianGeek. Feel free to send us an email, info at WebsterStyleMagazine.com. And again, thank you for your time. 
Remember, stay safe out there. Ah, you are killing me. Oh. Ooh, I, I, I mean, this is me right here. Baby, you see this? Nah, this is... Hold on. Never, I, I mean, I can change. I, I thought... Never mind, forget it. I'm a Jenny Jenny Miffinny Muffinny Finicky when it comes to the killing spree, aka that's an ensemble. Are you the enemy if you're not defending the presence of Millie in the vicinity without a bow tie? Okay, I might have went over the edge. Besides, I really let them close on them legs and thighs. Need to get strong, we can lift them to the sky. The party's off to twirl. We got a little time, time, time to get it on. And I'm back, I'm the type of pussy on. And after that, take a picture with the I'm choosing what we own. Now it was Tree Green Tuesday. Had to be Bowtie Thursday. Had to be. White Wednesday? Uh, I don't. Well, I know last time. Well, I wore polka dot. You didn't wear. Oh, I miss million them heels killing them. But I'm sure it's a Thursday. Bowtie Thursday. Pasta cream in your heels looking sharp. Acting like you don't know the rules up in the workplace. Must I remind you it was till on your birthday? Don't get me wrong, I think we killed in the birthdays. And you picked the hell of fit for the church day. Let's say you picked the risk game for it. Now you got the floor filled with bras that you purchase. Pick a color scheme that can match the very corset. Smoking hot, rocking this pen so thin. Tie hair line, looking like a stencil pimp. No lie, I'm sharper than a utensil. Instrumental, plain dang homie. I was hoping we could walk out with that bang bang honey. See them plain James honey, them lame friends funny. We tell it bit crazy like that thing came on me. Hey, mommy, look a lady main thing. Want me on the scene, fit popping like a main vein. Running blood color, lips smashing with the hand. Clutch money, holding back, kind of funny. Can you tell me what's the price I got the range? Rover. Hang on me when we walking, looking Gucci like that thing sprayed on me. Walking with a limp like an ankle sprained on me. Yeah, I rocked the cardigan. She don't really want me because one man should have all that style. Yeah, take it out, clothes on the floor, pass it. And no one girl should fit it all in them jeans. Oh, you wanted to? Oh, I completely read that wrong.